Hello and welcome to the Strange Brew podcast and my name's Jason Barnard and that was the Polyphonic Sprees version, new version of Run To Me by the Bee Gees. The Polyphonic Spree have got a superb new album out, Aflatus, which is the first album in seven years and features a range of cover versions. Welcome, Tim. Hi there. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure. I mean, first of all, what was the uh, spark of inspiration for um, getting a, an album of uh, your own versions of these tracks together? Because I think you you are known as a band who does like a, a good cover version occasionally. Yeah, it's kind of something that just kind of happened just by the sheer of us being the polyphonic spree for 20 years. It's like when you have all the different instruments available to you, and if you have a passion yeah. for any songs or covers, it's kind of like this band can kind of can kind of do them. Mm. So it's kind of like, why, why don't we do this? But to answer your question on why these particular songs and why this as the first thing to do, it kind of happened out of a necessity. Yeah. We were scheduled to play a show in Dallas for a, a, a we, we did a fundraiser for our re- a record that's coming out called Salvage Enterprise. And one of the uh, perks was to do a cover show for our fans. They could come and if they participated, they could come to that show. Well, the night we were supposed to do it is basically around the same time COVID was happening. So everything was on the fence for that particular show, but we had been rehearsing uh, nonstop doing all these covers for that particular show. So we finally made the decision. We even rehearsed the day of the show, but the venue and ourselves made the decision not to do the show because everything was kind of canceling at the time. Little did we know we were going to be out for the next year, but we didn't know what was happening, but we canceled the show. But since we were so rehearsed and we had just rehearsed that day, we thought, let's go back to the triplex which is our home studio, and record these songs that we were going to do tonight because we don't know how long we're going to be apart. So let's just, let's record them. So we plowed through all 12 of these songs, 10 of these songs in about 10 hours and just did a live recording. And then we had this and it was just kind of for us. And then once people started hearing them, we're like, man, we should like let people hear this and turn them onto it. And we can also use it as part of our giving to our fans, you know, for support. Yeah. And once we did that, we realized, wait a minute, we have a record here and the Sprees never released a record of covers. So why don't we release it? And so that's kind of what happened. But what you're listening to is actually a live recording of us in our rehearsal space. Uh, we just set up mics and went for it. And um that's what you're hearing. So it's not like a record we went off and made specifically for covers. It was kind of something that just happened because we were taking advantage of the moment of us being together and really well rehearsed. And we captured, captured those songs. On this podcast, we'll be kind of rotating between your versions of the material covered as well as the original versions and uh, the next original version being Let Em In by Wings. I mean, there is a bit of a, the theme on some of these tracks is the, the from the the seventies. That does that go back to sort of early childhood or childhood memories? Yes, it. You know, I'm I'm fifty five, so a lot of you know I'm going back to things that I was inspired to as a kid, and then you know as a teenager, and then in my twenties and just kind of things that 
touched me along the way, but there's different port, like the, the rush cover, the rush cover came in because I played that with my, I had a, a band in high school called Regency and we covered that back then. I thought, well, let's see if I can hit uh, Oh Salesman in that Rush song, mm. Spirit of Radio. And um, it happened. And then um, Let Them In by Paul McCartney and Wings. Hap- we played Mexico City and it was the time of all the border problems with Trump. And so it was kind of our cry to Mexico, like Let Them In and uh, cancel this this uh, crazy border problem we had going on. So that's why the Paul McCartney song came up. And just being a, a Wings fan, once again, pulled from my childhood. Let him in. Let him in now. Do 
that door Somebody ringing the bell Do me a favor Open the door I let him in We go back a bit earlier here to a bit more of a psychedelic era. We have the Polyphonic Sprees version of the Pauper song, which is one of the key tracks of the the, the US psychedelic era, really, and, and even more subversive being that it's by the Monkees. Okay, yeah, definitely. I had a band in the early 90s called Tripping Daisy before I had Polyphonic Spree. It was in the early 90s that I'd heard the Porpoise song for the first time. And I was just like, wow, this song is just, it just rocked. Because first of all, I didn't know that. I'd seen the movie Head, but I didn't place it all together when I was younger. Until I was in the 90s when I was just listening to that record and discovered the Porpoise song. And then, of course, went back and watched Head and like it all made sense to me. If you've ever seen that movie, it's it's kind of crazy and all over the place. And Mm -hmm. for a small brain like I had at the time, I couldn't didn't understand what was going on but musically that song just knocked me out but in the 90s i loved the world of that psychedelia which i was into at the time with my band and um that song was always like i just loved it i played it all the time we never did cover it in that group but the spree we decided to cover it years ago and we did such a good job with it we kind of really made it our own and even towards the end, when you there's all new lyrics that are my lyrics that are added to the lyrics that are on there. We really made it our own song. And we kind of became known for doing that song when we toured live. It was like one of the songs we would do. Well, we're in the UK a few years ago and we're playing the, the I think it was the Mosley Folk Festival. The Monkees were playing that. I'm, I'm not sure if that's the right one at festival. Uh, I can't remember. But the Monkees were playing. They were headlining. And we were playing. And they knew that we had been doing that song. And they asked us if we would accompany them on the stage to do the Porpoise song. Wow. Which kind of like freaked me out. I was <laughs> like, are you kidding me? So we did that. We came out there. We were the band. And we did that song with Mickey and Peter, and uh, it was incredible. Of course, we went into that outro part that we've made our own at that point. And I remember looking at Mickey on the side, just kind of in awe. And he said, that was incredible. And and to this day, we still kind of uh, talk and relish in the memory of that of that day. The people went crazy, and it was just a good show. But that's kind of one, in my opinion, that pretty much encompasses the sound and the flexibility of what the spree's all about.
Next, we go back to an original version, ABBA this time, but at that very interesting latter period of ABBA's time when simps were coming in, the, the lyrics were getting darker, the, yeah. you know, they were splitting up, and, <laughs> and we have the visitors. And um, it's really interesting hearing this one because the original is very, very, very simp-laden, whereas you've still got some simp in there, but you've got a, a band feel, so it's, it's organic as well. Totally. Um, it was just kind of our interpretation. That was a friend of mine that said, man, I hear you guys doing this song. And he's the only one that I've ever even heard of that was a fan of that song. And I found that to be quite interesting. You know, Abba, you think of Abba, you think of Dancing Queen or Waterloo or what all these other ones. But you don't ever think of visitors, you know, at least I had in forever when he mentioned that and, and we listened to it. I loved how it, how it glided on the opening of the melody. And um, that was real appealing to me vocally. And so I said, let's do this thing. And so we just kind of added what the spree does, our interpretation of that particular song. It's nice when it's with those group of songs because A, it's an Abbott song and B, it's kind of a, a rare track that you haven't heard before, but it kind of sits nice with, with the other ones that are so all over the place. You just don't know what you're going to get on this record. Thank you. 
we have your version of a song that, in a way for me, is kind of made for the polyphonic spree, Never My Love, originally by The Association. The sound and harmonies of that record are, are just magic, and you've just really added to that with your version? Yeah. As a kid, I was a fan of The Association. When I'm saying a kid, I'm saying like in first, second grade kid, I was into Association. I was in the sunny pop music, and I think that's where all of my inspiration for this orchestral pop came from was from when I was a little kid and the association was a big part of that. We actually covered Never My Love in my previous band, Tripping Daisy, before the spree. And that's on our last record. Uh, we did a version of Never My Love. I love the association, Harper's Bazaar. I love, you know, that kind of sunny pop world, fifth dimension. And so to try it with the spree was was really cool i thought we did a really good job yeah. and the fact again i can't stress this enough these are live recordings these aren't like when you're going to make a studio record and spending time to get track and lay this track down this is at one time so it's it showcases the musicianship of this band we've really quality musicians and we've been a bet been a band for 20 years now and yeah, there's been people come and go, but the level of musicianship is spot on in this group. And that's why I'm, I'm kind of wanting to stress the live point about it, because you can be a little bit, bit forgiving if certain things aren't it, where it sounds not as good as like a polished recorded record. And it is because mm -hmm. it's done live.
now you have a, a songwriter who's just unique and his way with the lyrics was just very Daniel Johnston, ultimately. Yeah. We've got Daniel's version of You Put My Love Out The Door, which done your own version there, but you've also played some of Daniel's songs live acoustically in the past, haven't you? Yes. The Spree and Daniel did a couple of shows in Austin in the early 2000s. And being a fan of Daniel, of course, and then when he passed, it was it was felt around the around the music world for sure. And there is this place that we play called the Kessler and Jeff Lyles, who books the venue, who's the curator of shows, had asked me if I wanted to come and pay tribute and play a couple of Daniel Johnson songs. And so I did. And that was one of them that I did as well. And I just love that song because if people source out or if if you're going to play that particular song, when you hear him do it, it, it sounds like he's so innocent and so childlike. And that's kind of how Daniel's delivery was, how it would come across. And he almost sounds like Alfalfa from The Little Rascals, if you hear him sing it. He's so young in it. Anyway, I just found it so charming and so quintessential of Daniel Johnston and how he would deliver his words so heartfelt and earnest. and. Um, I just love that song and I'm so glad we got to do it. Of course, you know, he's just doing it with a piano and um, just his vocal, but we, we decided to try to put a little bit of orchestral popness to it at the same time. And so that was our kind of our, our approach to it. Daniel's music lends itself to being built off, built on given, you know, the nature and simplicity of his recording. So means that you can now listen to the track in a, in a whole new way. Totally. Yeah, you can. He and he he gives so much in his there, there's so much room for interpretation that's for melodic interpretation because he was real melodic. So it was fun doing that one. And yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I really liked how it turned out on this record. You put my love out the door.
So now we've got the Polyphonic Sprees version of Could It Be Magic originally by Barry Manilow. Now, so obviously we're going back to the 70s and I assume your childhood. And I think you've just got to listen listen without prejudice. And, and your version itself adds to that, the epic nature of the original song as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he does get knocked, but this guy, he had a yearning in his songs. You can hear it. It's like he was trying to be bigger than life real grandiose with his arrangements and with how he would project his voice and how he would command a chorus. And there's something to that. And I, as a kid, how, you know, I'd hear the songs on the radio, but now we're talking, I'm about 10, uh, 11, somewhere in that area, 12. My father had a salvage business, um, unclaimed freight business. And as a kid, I would run the place. I know it sounds ridiculous, but at a young age, I was running this place while he was he would take the weekends off and i would be there doing stuff well and i know that's absurd to think that they would do a you know keep a 10 11 12 year old kid in charge of a business and but i was kind of uh far along from my age and growing up like that and my dad was an entrepreneur and i kind of grew up taking on responsibilities at a very young age that most people didn't so that was no big deal to me but anyway there was a a cassette tape that was there at the place that was Barry Manilow's songs. And I remember playing that tape over and over again, listening to it and just like these high reaching choruses and this just epic orchestration going on for, for what were just pop songs. But for me, it was like, yeah, I just like the far reachness of it. And um, could it be magic is one that you don't hear that often, but it's still a great song. And, and I didn't, I cut out some of his lyrics on it that just, I just thought they were kind of like, you know, we didn't need to have them there. And that's kind of another thing about doing a cover. You can kind of make it your own. So we did, but anyway, the essence of that song is there. And I, and I think it was made for kind of the spree to be able to do that. Of course, it's nowhere near what Barry did, but it's our interpretation and I'm pretty proud of it. I 
the original version of the spirit of radio by rush that you mentioned briefly earlier now i understand that was also a song that you actually originally covered in your high school band yeah um i had a couple bands in high school and one of the bands was called regency and we where we did like it was all covers we didn't do any originals at the time it was um like heavy metal stuff and um rush was um one of the songs we did spirit of radio so I just thought, hell, you know, what's it like for me to to do this at, at this age? I'll see if I can do this. Hmm. So it's just more kind of like, you know, let's try this thing. And the guys um, and a lot of people in the band had never even heard of, of the yeah. of the song. And so it was kind of new to them. So they had to get to learn it. And some of them heard it, but most of them hadn't. So we're all like trying to get it down and do it justice. So that's our, our interpretation of doing. And again, that's one take. Actually, that that was the first take we took. We did one take of that song, and that's the one we use. That's the one you hear. But it's really, I mean, if anybody knows about Rush, I'm sure a lot of your, yeah. your listeners do. I mean, trying to like do Neil Peart and do those, <laughs> and then trying to hit those notes like Getty Lee, and then doing the gar- guitar parts of, of Alex. It's just like, <laughs> you know, we did the best we could possibly do. but. We were just having fun and kind of paying homage to the song, but also it's like, let's have a little bit of nostalgia for, for me because I did it when I was a kid and I'm like, can I hit O salesman again (laughs) at the top? So it was kind of cool to be able to experience that and put that on the record. Great. I mean, the tracks that we've had today really demonstrate the range of material that, um, that you've remade on uh, your new covers album of Flirtus. 
But at the same time, even though there's a range, there's themes and a sound that covers all of them as well. So it does does hang together. Yeah, I agree. It's um, it is it's inevitable because it's who the spree is, and uh, we have a seasoned sound. And it was good to be able to kind of stretch and mold that. Like on for the for instance, the rush track. Not everybody was on that. Obviously, it was just yeah. the the kind of chord rock guitar, bass and drum, piano people a little bit of percussion but and so everybody in the background like the choir then the string and horn instruments they're just kind of like watching in the in the background while we're doing this thing but i think as a as an overall sound yeah i think it it's all tied together because it's the spring because it's the spree but um it also kind of ties together because each one of those bands is kind of an influence which is what makes up the spree in the first place and so I think hearing all that together gives you an idea of what we're about. Yeah. And, you know, it's not even close to what songs and covers we've done before. It just happens to be the ones we picked for that night to do at that particular show. There's other songs we've done that, that we haven't put on there. And, you know, we may do another record because this seems that people seem to like this and it was a lot of fun to do. And like I told you at the beginning, we can, the spree can kind of go anywhere that we want to. So we could probably hit all these influences that we that we experienced along the way to get to where we are today. So it's a good place to be. <laughs>
notes were written on the studio wall. There's an extra song I wanted to sneak in, which is uh, not off of Flatus, but um, is a song that you're renowned for and, and do do play live, and it's uh, Light and Day Reach for the Sun. Well, there's a little story about True. Um, so, yeah, I wrote all those songs at the same time. That's that's from the record beginning stages of. Yeah. And there was a period of writing for me where I was coming out. My life was completely different of how it is right now. I just lost my uh, former bandmate from my band, Tripping Daisy. So uh, we lost a dear friend, plus the band. My wife had just had our second child. My daughter was, well, yeah, we had two kids at the time. One was one and one was two. And then, yeah, the third one was on its way. So we had two and one on the way. And when all this happened and so there came a point where i just started writing and i wrote this batch of songs and this is before i even had the polyphonic spree and it was at the point where i wasn't doing anything musically and they booked my partner chris and julie booked a show for me opening for granddaddy and i didn't have a band or the spree or anything and i thought well if i'm going to get back into music again I kind of want to do something I've always wanted to do, even when I was with Tripping Daisy. I was like, I want to have a band that has horns and strings and can be really expressive instead of one person singing, 10 people singing. So the birth of Polyphonic Spree was happening at the same time that these songs were written. Light and Day um, was one of those songs on the record that I didn't think fit on that record at the time, believe it or not. And I was questioning even putting it on the record. Because it seemed the tempo was so up and all the other songs are so melancholy and quiet, dynamic and tempo is much slower. And I just thought it didn't really fit. And my wife, Julie, was like, it's over unless you put that song on there. It's got to go on there. Just go with it. It's (laughs) it's great. It's got to go on there. And so ended up putting it on there. But if I'd had my Drithers at the time and she hadn't have been around, it probably wouldn't have been on that record, which was been a massive mistake. (laughs) So it's amazing how those things work out. But I think what did that song was, you know, the birth of my kids happening at the same time. Also, after experiencing one of the worst pains in my life of losing someone close to me and, um, I think the dynamic of those two worlds coming together and trying to find a new way, a new outlook on life in such a vulnerable way that light and day was, was born out of the situation that 
we found ourselves in, my wife and I. And so there's only one way to go when you're, when you're down, you know, you can only go up. Yeah. And so I have to, a lot of these songs that I've always sang my whole life, even both bands, they're cautiously optimistic, but they're always kind of reaching for something higher. And it's a common theme in all the music I've done. And um, I think Light and Day is kind of the quintessential track of that process of lyrical content and the kind of where I'm wanting to go and kind of, I want to stay here and you can do it. And I don't know. It's just, it's weird. And it's, it's weird that it wasn't, it almost <laughs> didn't make the record <laughs> so it's fabulous that it did and uh before we go so um sounds like there's quite a lot to look forward to you and the spree coming up so you've got your next album which i assume is of original material yeah definitely it's yeah it's all new material really excited about it we're we actually worked on it last night we're doing like pre-production right now getting ready to go in and record so yeah i'm pretty pretty stoked about it Brilliant. And are you, are you playing any live shows coming up? Have you got anything? Are you able to book anything in? You know, it's still weird here. It's um, we have some makeup shows that we need to play because of COVID yeah. that we're going to play. And maybe there's going to be one in July, June or July. But other than that, they're all they're literally coming in right now. Offers are coming in. It's just trying to find out what dates are going to work and how we're going to organize this. I think everybody's in the same boat right now. Hmm. It's just kind of all unfolding. But yeah, you'll you'll be hearing from the spree soon. Thank you so much for being on the show, Tim. It's been a real pleasure to hear tracks from the new album and the inspiration and reasons and background behind remaking them, as well as the inspiration for Light and Day. And uh, great to hear that you have a new album in the works as well. Thank you very much. Yeah, I enjoyed talking about it. And um, yeah, thank you for saying that about the, the new record. I'm, I'm excited. It should be pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tim, thank you so much. Uh, do take care. And uh, yeah, thank you again. Yeah, thank you. All right, best wishes. Bye-bye. You too, bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to the Strange Brew podcast. If you do like the show, please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online. It's 10 years since I started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time. All your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests. To support me, just go to thestrangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. Thank you very much. Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.